All right, turn to your neighbor. You ready? Tell your neighbor, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, tell your second choice, I'm ready. I'm ready. Hey, let's tell all of those at the jail campus and online. We're so glad you're part of our church family. Come on, church. Welcome them in. I, I, I got to tell you this. So I'm, I'm talking to, to a, a young lady uh, yesterday, and she had been watching online. And uh, so she said, you look different. And, and it turns out, I was like, what do you mean I look different? She's like, you have more hair. So when? So those of you that are watching online, I have more hair. These lights just make me look balder than I already am. Uh, we're we're going to deal with that. I'm not sure how we fix that, but we're going to buy some of that spray on hair, you know. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> Well, I am so glad you're here. I am, I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm pumped. This is our fifth uh, uh, message in this series, uh, talking about being strong, courage over fear. And, and we, we've been walking through this uh, message series, walking through the book of Joshua, and we've kind of been like taking little steps so far. Today, we're going to take some big leaps through the book of Joshua. Uh, but if you, if you haven't been with us, we've been talking about how the Israelites in the book of Joshua have come uh, they're coming out of the wilderness. Uh, they've been, they were in Egypt. They were in slavery. They came across the Red Sea with Moses. They, Moses led them through the wilderness for 40 years. Shouldn't have taken that long. They get to, uh, they get to the edge of, of the promised land. They send some spies in. The spies get scared. We're going to talk about that in more detail in a minute. They, uh, they come back. They, so they end up getting in the wilderness for 40 years. They finally get back to the promised land. It takes them 40 years. And they cross the, uh, the, river, the Jordan River on dry land. It's a, one of those miracle stories in the Bible. It's pretty neat. Uh, you can go back and listen to uh, the messages. They're on the app and on the website. But, so they cross the, the Jordan River, and they get to Jericho. They march around Jericho, and the walls come tumbling down. It's an awesome story. We've, I mean, it's been exciting so far. And you can imagine kind of like the, like, whoo, this is good. You ever been like in one of those moments where everything is just flying, it's just going the way it should be going, you're pumped, you're excited, yes, everything is just flowing, and yeah, you're in a church service, and, and you're preaching, and there, people are behind you, and they're saying amen, hint, hint, and they're, um, they're, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay, <laughs> and they're, they're already, they're fired up, and, and they're going at it, and this is what's happening in the book of Joshua so far, the first six chapters, it's like victory, victory, I mean, all these awesome things are taking place, and then we get the, uh, to the seventh chapter, and let's jump there, Joshua chapter 7, it's on your notes there, it's, uh, it'll also be on the screen if you want to get your Bible out, get it on your app, however you want to do it. Here we go, now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, so they've won at Jericho, he's sending them to Ai, so they've won big at Jericho, he's sending them to Ai to check it out, how are we going to beat them, he says, which is near Beth-Avon to the east of Bethel and told them, go up and spy out the region. I think Joshua watched a little bit too much Jason Bourne. There's a lot of spies in, uh, in the book of Joshua. He says, uh, when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it and do not, be weir do not weary the whole army. We got this. I mean, we took down Jericho. Ai is easy. For only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up but they were routed. In other words, they got their butts handed to them. Not in a pretty way. This, again, 
so many times we, we just like skip over this. Let me show you how intense this was. It says they were routed by the men of Ai who killed about 36 of them. It wasn't where they got scared and ran away and that they're bigger and stronger. No, they were, just, they were getting beat and 36 of their men got killed. And it says, so they clashed, they chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Let, let, that, let that sink in. They were in a moment where everything was going the way it was supposed to be going. They were in the promised land. And this is what you need to understand. Sometimes you're in the promised land doesn't mean you possess what God has given you. And they're in the promised land. They've won victory. They, they got a big victory under their belts. And then they go to the next little town to fight them. And they get beat. And they, their hearts melt with fear. You ever have that moment where you're, like, you have these super high expectations for life? Like, when I got married, I will not recommend the way that I got married to anyone. Okay, I was a junior in high school. A junior in high school. <laughs> That's why I look so good. I got married. Yeah. <laughs> I was a junior in college, okay? I was a junior in college. Wow. Uh, I was a junior in college, my, uh, and I came back from college. I asked my wife to, uh, to marry me, my girlfriend, who is now my wife. Who, uh, so I asked her to marry me at the end of co- the college year, and we decided for some crazy reason to get married right before the weekend before I went back for my senior year of college. Not wise. Not wise. So we, we couldn't take a honeymoon right away because I literally got married on a Saturday and was class on Monday. And, and so we were in Indianapolis, and we're preparing for our honeymoon, which was about two months into the school year at our fall break, and we were going on a cruise. And let me, I, lo- I loved it. We had a great time on our cruise, but getting to our cruise was chaotic. And here's why it was so chaotic. Right before we, uh, the day that before we were supposed to get on the plane, a tornado hit Indianapolis. Destroyed, I mean, like, part, there were seven tornadoes hit Indianapolis, and so we, got, we couldn't get to the airport on time. Long story short, we end up getting in a two-hour uh, security line shortly after 9-11, and we are in the, uh, in the line for two hours, and we miss our flight to, build, uh, to get on the uh, boat in Orlando, or in Tampa. There's no boats in Orlando, uh, just in case you're wondering. So we, we miss our, uh, our, our flight, and so I'm scrambling. I, I get to the, the, the nice lady at the, at the desk, and I, I pour on the story. I'm like, I'm not, I just want to give my, my beautiful bride a honeymoon that she deserves. Please, let me. I got the quivering lip and everything. It was all, all ploy, or maybe I was literally crying. I don't know. Uh, I was scared. I was. I mean, I was, it was, it was, I was like, what am I going to do? I'm a 23-year-old kid, and I'm going, I don't know. I, I have never really taken a trip. This is our first time together doing this kind of thing. And I'm scrambling. And so she takes mercy on me, and we end up flying. The, as, as I'm talking to her, I'm talking to the Carnival Cruise Line saying, what do I do? I missed the flight. I'm not going to be there in time. And she goes, well, actually, there's a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico right now, so we're probably going to reroute your ship instead of going to Cancun. It's going to go to Key West. Yes, our honeymoon had a tornado and a hurricane, <laughs> kind of like the first year of our marriage. Um, 
the symbolism is way overwhelming. <laughs> and so we, uh, they're going to reroute it to Key West. I'm like, perfect. So I go to the, the, the nice lady at the desk, and I'm like, can you get us to Key West? And she says, yes. I'm like, fixed it. It's all golden. I didn't tell my wife this part that it might go to Key West. We did not know for sure if it was going to show up in Key West. It did. So we fly into Key West, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be wonderful. I worked for the Marriott. I was a uh, valet manager, so I called up ahead and said, hey, we're flying in. Can I get a room? They got me hooked up with this nice room at the Marriott in Key West. I'm like, this is awesome. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be smooth sailing after this. And we fly into the Key West, little airport in Key West, if you've ever been there, and we get off the plane. We walk through the nice little airport, and we walk outside, and it is Bike week. <laughs> now you're laughing because, okay, I'm not putting everybody in this boat, okay? If you are a biker, if you own a Harley, I love you. I'm glad you're at Authentic Church because I'm scared of you, okay? <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> so, so I, the, the entire, I mean, literally the streets are covered with bikes. You cannot even get a taxi to take you into the places where there's restaurants. So I'm walking down the street, a 23-year-old punk kid with his brand new bride, and they're whistling at her. And I'm like, I'm, you, you gonna whistle at my girl? You gonna whistle at my girl? That's not what I did. Let me tell you the truth of what I did. I was like, we ain't doing Key West. We, we, go, we going to the hotel, and we're gonna have no beach time, we having hotel time. <laughs> and so everything that I had the expectations of it being wonderful, it was like a, a total letdown, total letdown. The next day, the, the, the boat showed up, and as people were filing off the boat to, get, to go to Key West, we were going onto the boat. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good with all that. I done almost got beat up enough times. Let's go. So we end up on the boat. Anyways, long story there just to tell you there's times in your life that things just don't add up. And this is one of those situations, the expectations that you have for life many times don't happen the way you thought they should happen. This is what's happening to the children of Israel. The expectation is we're going to walk through the promised land, we're going to beat city after city, king after king, we're going to take care of it all, and they go to the next little village, and what happens? They get destroyed. They get Destroyed. Now, there's some things that happen that when, when you are in life and you think your, your things are going well, your hope begins to sink. If you, if, no, if you didn't get that, hope floats. Mm -mm, hope sinks. Sandra Bullock, nobody? Come on. I'm showing my age here. Sandra Bullock was like my dream until I met my wife, and then my dream changed. Mm. I, got, I got a better version. But uh, there's things that cause hope to sink. Are things that cause hope to sink. One of those things is just what we see in the scripture and the situation is loss. When you lose, your hope goes away. All the hope was up here. All the hope of taking the land was at an extreme high. And then hope is destroyed when you experience loss. And, and loss is in different ways. It could be loss of a family member. It could be loss of your health. It could be loss of uh, your finances. It could be lost in all kinds of different ways, but when we experience loss, we experience a lack of hope. And it just causes us to lose hope. Another thing that you see here is failure. Failure will cause you to lose hope. It will cause you to miss, just be, lose out on anything that you thought you could happen. You, you thought, yeah, I, I, will, I will be great at this area. I'm going to start this business, and it's going to be great. And then 
failure hits you and you lose hope. You're like, I'm going to do great in, in school. I'm going to get all the good grades. I'm going to do it. And then you hit a teacher that just don't like you, or so you tell yourself, and you lose all hope. You, you lose hope in situations when you face failure in your situations. The other thing that will cause you to lose hope is the unknown. The unknown. You experience things in your life, and you'll walk into something, and you're like, I'm not sure what's next. I don't know how to take the next step. And the unknown will cause you to lose hope. Now, there's a situation going on in the camp of Israel that is making all this happen. There, there's, they see, a lot of times we think, oh, it's just coincidence. It's, I'm, I'm experiencing failure. I'm experiencing loss. I'm experiencing this. And it's, it's all external. In fact, many times we need to look at what's happening to us, our loss, our failure, the unknown, and go, is it something in my life? Is there something internal I need to evaluate? And in this case, there is. Now, there are times where it's external and you have no ability to change it. But many times, it's stuff that's going on in us that just needs addressed. We don't like those ones, do we? That's what's happening here. It says Joshua's confronted by God, and God says there's, there's sin in the camp. There's something going on in the camp. And what it is is that when they took Jericho, you remember from uh, two weeks ago, when they took Jericho, the commandment was take Jericho, and everything in it except for Rahab is either to be destroyed or anything of value is supposed to be taken to the tabernacle and given to the tabernacle for their use. That's the only thing that can happen. It's either destroyed or given to the tabernacle. But something, somebody didn't listen. Joshua chapter 7 verse 19 says that they, then Joshua said to Achan. So they, what they did is they brought in every tribe. And they go in front of Joshua and eventually gets down to the tribe that Achan is a part of, that Achan's family is a part of. And he says to Achan, my son, give glory to, to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Tell me what you've done. And he says, don't, don't hide it from me. And Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. He says, among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. It's important that you notice those things are not incidental. It's not, it's not an accident that, that God keeps those there for us to understand. There's symbolism in each one of those, and I'll, I'll share that with you. He says, I wanted them so much that I took them. I wanted them so much that I took them, and it says they are hidden beneath the ground, uh, in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. And here's what you have to see in this is that, see, Achan took ownership of something that was never supposed to be his. Achan took control of something he wasn't supposed to be controlling. He put his trust in something that wasn't supposed to have his trust. And this is in the, in the picture that they give to us, that, 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 the, that robe that was from Babylon is not an accident that it was a robe from Babylon. What happened at the Tower of Babel? Man tried to control God. If we build a tower large enough, then God can't stop us. They try to take control. What is it with the silver and gold? Is that we don't have to trust God that he's going to supply my needs. I got it covered. This is not just true with Achan. This is true for everyone. 
that when God calls, and it's the story that has taken place here, and God's telling the, the, the Israelites, hey, the first city that you come to, the first one you come to is not for you, it's for God, is the principle of the first. The principle of the first is not something that's new to this situation. It began all the way back with Abel. Abel was given a, a, was a herding, flock, uh, herding sheep, and it says that he gave the firstborn to God, and God honored that. In comparison, Cain gave some fruit from his harvest, and God didn't honor it. The difference, the only difference, is the first. Because when you give the first, you give control to God. When you give the first, you say, God, I'm trusting you. This is what's so valuable about understanding the first isn't ours. It was never meant to be ours. It was never supposed to be ours. And so many times we want to take possession of something that isn't ours. We do this with the promises of the Bible. We love to use scripture and, 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 and preach on it. I, I mean, we like to, to preach good on some of these things. Like Philippians 4.19, it's a good preaching verse. It's a, it says, and Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi, and he says, And my God will meet all your needs uh, according to the riches uh, of the glory of in Christ Jesus. You didn't know he was T.D. Jakes was Paul, did you? <laughs> but we, we, like, we like to preach those kind of verses. Oh, God's going to meet all your supplies. God's going to be there for you. But we don't like the fact that it's in context to that they'd already given to Paul before he'd even asked for it. They first gave, and then Paul comes along. Every scripture that comes along and says God's going to provide for you, God's going to be there for you, every time that, that's in the, it, it is always in context of that we first surrender to him. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. It's all throughout scripture. The principle of the first is not an accident. And in this situation, God is saying to the people of Israel, I need you to trust me, give me control. And when you don't, there's consequences because you're trusting yourself. You're trusting your wisdom. You're going to send spies ahead and think that you can take something that isn't yours yet. See, there's power in this. And so you have to grab this, that we have to give our control to God and our trust to God first. So they goes through all this, and so after they take care of the situation, which is a sad, sad story, because Achan and his entire family are stoned. They're, they're not, not in the stone that you're thinking of, okay? Don't <laughs> got to clarify for you guys. They're literally stoned to death, and they are, and, and it's, 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 this, this part of the scripture is kind of hard to, to grasp, and I, I want to share with you a little bit. So they, they finally, they, they're stoned. They go back and they fight AI. This time they win. Then they go and they, uh, God calls them to renew their covenant. Then there's this, this really interesting story where the Gibbonites, a, 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 country, or a city that's close by, send some uh, people and they pretend like they're from far away. And they trick Joshua and the leaders of Israel that, hey, we're from far away. You don't have to worry about us, but we just want to be on your side. In fact, they're the neighboring state there. And they trick, and God says to them, you guys never came to me and asked me this. You trusted what you saw, but never came and talked to me about it. We, we, I could do a whole message right there. Is that when so many times we trust our, what we see and what we think is right and what we think is good and the knowledge of this world, and we never take it to the wisdom of God. 
And it, it, after that, they begin their, their uh, southern campaign where they take on the, 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 promise, the, the southern part of the promised land. And at one point, they're, they're in a battle, and they need, the, the sun is going down, and, and Joshua says, hey, uh, we, we need more time. And he prays to God, let the sun stand still. And literally, the sun stops. And that is what, at that point, it's a great book, Stephen Furtigrun, when the sun stands still. And, and we, we, it, has, it takes place there, and they win, they win some battles there, and then they go to the northern, and they have a northern campaign, and they beat the cities there. And, then, and there's a whole list, and, and Joshua, of all these battles that are won. And it's kind of like you've got to step back and go, what, why, why did God ask them to do that? Why did God ask them to destroy city after city after city? Destroy them. Why would God call for them to, to do such destructive things? And the truth, what you see in the Old Testament, many times we don't understand this, is God communicates to us in our language. He was attacking their gods. See, when they, when they had one god, uh, would, when one group of people would go after another group of people, they would come in, and if they won, they would take out their gods and put their god and say, our god is greater than your god. And so what God was saying is, your gods don't compare to me. Every time you see through the Old Testament these things that take place that don't make sense to our modern idea of who God is, is because he was communicating to the people in their language. When, he went to the, in the, in, when Moses brought the ten plagues, every one of them was a plague against an Egyptian god. When he comes and attacks the land and tells them that you got to destroy their people, it was so that they would understand and every nation around them would understand, your God is not in control, our God is. That's what he's speaking through all that. It's harsh language. And many times, we need to understand God is trying to speak to us in our language. He's trying to communicate to us, your, your destruction is my, I'm trying to teach you through your own destruction. So the, the Joshua continues on. I love Joshua 13, uh, verse 1. It says, when Joshua was an old man, the Lord said to him, you're growing old. Thanks, God. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. It's my theme verse right now. Josh, you're growing old. Thanks. It says, uh, you are growing old and much land remains to be conquered. And he goes through the land that needs to be conquered yet. And, and, and at this point in uh, chapter 14, He's handing out what had been taken care of on the other side of the Jordan. He says, hey, this land is for the tribe, of, uh, the half tribe of Manasseh. This tribe is, this part of his land is for this tribe. The two and a half tribes on the other side are given their land. And then in verse six, something interesting happens. My boy Caleb shows up. I, I named my boy Caleb. That was the little pun. But my boy Caleb shows up in verse six. It says, Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were, in, when we were at Kadesh Barnea? Keep going there. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. He says, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from the entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. It's, it's interesting here that you, you see a, a reflection back to when Moses sent the 12 spies into, uh, into the promised land. And Caleb's recounting how that went down. He says, I, we, we went in and we went to the, into the promised land and we saw what was taking place. And I gave an honest report of what was going on. I, I, we went in and we saw, we saw the giants, but we also saw the milk and honey. 
And we came back and we gave a full report. Because when God promised them the land, he said, there's a land, it's your promised land, it's full of milk and honey. He didn't mention the giants. Now, it wasn't the fact that Caleb and Joshua left out the fact there are giants. He gave an honest report. There's giants, but there's milk and honey. The other guys said, hey, there's giants. There's giants. There's giants. There's milk and honey, but there's giants. There's giants. You ever have meet somebody that's like always focused on the negative? Like all they see is the negative. That's all they can say. You sit down and you're at a beautiful dinner and everything's wonderful and they see the chip on the glass. Ah, look at that chip there. That's terrible. (laughs) You're like, look at everything else. All they see is the one negative piece. you, You don't like to be around those people, do you? You're like, ah. But you also don't want to be around the flip side where they, all they see is rainbows and unicorns. Like, oh, life is wonderful. You, you don't want to be around those people either because those people are delusional. <laughs> oh, they, they, look, there's all there's milk, there's honey. Look at all the wonderful things. There's no giants. I don't see them. Those people will get you killed by the giants they don't see. <laughs> don't be around those people either. You need to be around honest people. Honest people like Caleb, who says, yes, there's milk, there's honey, there's giants, but God didn't mention the giants, so he's going to take care of them. I trust him. I'll let him control the giants. I don't need to be afraid of them. See, that's the difference between Joshua and the rest of them. And here's what you have to understand is that they got the, it says the delegation of the tribe of Judah, which is important that you understand this, led by Caleb, the son of Jephthu, the Kizanite. See, the tribe of Judah was the tribe that led in praise. That was their job. There was a responsibility in the tribe of Israel was to create an atmosphere of praise. We got an awesome tribe of Judah up here, don't we? Hey, well, they mean they lead us into worship and they create an atmosphere of praise and worship. And what happens in praise and worship is that you, it always produces hope. Praise and worship always produces hope. Because it gets your mind and your focus off the giants. It's not that the giants aren't there. It's not that the walled cities aren't there. It's that you just don't worry about them because your God is bigger than the giant. Praise always produces hope. But what allows you to produce hope in this, through praise is the one thing that Caleb shows here is faith. Faith. He says, I, I see the, the giants. I see what can cause damage to me, but I have an honest report that I can go into that land and take it. And then he continues on. He says in in Joshua chapter uh, 14, verses 9, it says, So the day that Moses, so this is Caleb still speaking, solemnly promised me. Everybody else tried to get scared and ran away. We spent 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness because of it. But Moses promised me. He says, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that your descendants for, and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness today, I am 85 years old. <laughs> now, you're going to have to stick with me for a second because when I read something like that, immediately I get a visual. I see Caleb 
as Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. <laughs> Do you ever come across someone you shouldn't have messed with? That's me. Watch what Caleb says. I am strong now. As though when I was when, when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel. And fight as well as I could then. You see it? You got that picture, don't you? There he is. See, there's, there's faith. Faith is for a moment. But faithfulness is for the journey. Faith is for that moment where I can take on the giant. I declare it and, and that we have victory. I declare it. But faithfulness is saying, I don't have my victory yet, but I will get my victory. I may not have experienced it yet. There may be things around me that are slowing me down, but I will have my victory. See, there's a difference between faith in the moment and faithfulness for the journey. <laughs> then uh, Caleb keeps going. He says, so give me the hill country. <laughs> the land the Lord promised me. You will remember them that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in the great in, in, uh, in great walled towns. What is he seeing? He's reminding Joshua, hey, when we went through the land, we came across some descendants of Anak. Who are the descendants of Anak? The Goliath. You continue on the story. Guess who you find out later on who's connected to Anak? Goliath. Here he is, the giant in the land. We saw him. That's the land I want. <laughs> That's the land I want. Anak, the, the descendants of Anak were there. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. See, there's faith in the moment, faithfulness for the journey, but you've got to know you're going to fight a battle. You've got to be willing to fight. You've got to be willing to fight. See, this is the taking, the beautiful thing about the Old Testament is it always comes into the New Testament. The principles of the Old Testament always are mirrored in the New Testament. And this is what it is in the, in the, in you, when you see the relationship between what Caleb was called to do was to have faith. What is faith? Faith is turning to Jesus Christ. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is it's not a, just a moment that you make a decision. It's walking in that faith day after day, after day, knowing there's a fight ahead of you. See, so many times we think, we, I'm at a moment where, you know, I think I've put enough time in. I, I think at this moment, I've, I, I should be able to relax. And, and as, as, I, as, I, as I close this message in, I want, I want to have you understand this, is that when Joshua, this isn't your notes, and I brought this up, it says, Joshua... Uh, and at the end of their verse, I believe it is, if you can say that, Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephnu, and gave Hebron to him as a portion of land. Joshua blessed Caleb with a battle. See, that's, that's the kind of faith I want to walk in. So the kind of faith I want to see. I, I don't want to just settle. I don't want to just settle for somebody else's victory. 
I want to walk into the battle that God's called me to. I want to walk into the purpose that he has, has for me and declare that I will not step down. I will take it on. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to have faith, faithfulness, and to fight. I'm going to be blessed with a battle. He continues on. He says, whoop. <laughs> he continues on. He says, uh, let me feel he says, the Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kiznite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called Kirith Arba. It had been named after Arba, the great hero of the descendants of Anak. See, sometimes we're letting our area be defined by, a, the, by the giant in front of us. For each one of us, our giants are going to be different. For some of you, your giant is the past you can't overcome. For others, it's the, the future that you're fearful of. For some of you, it's the job that you can't seem to move past and get that next step in your job. Some of you, it's the, the score that you can't get on that test. For some of you, it's the marriage that doesn't seem to be able to be healed. Some of you, it's the finances that you can't fix. See, your giant's going to be different. But when you walk in faith, in the moment, trusting God with the first, living in faithfulness, ready to fight. See, this is, this is the beauty of it. Let me pray over you. Lord Jesus, God, I pray over this, this church. I pray over this, the people that are here, Lord. I pray blessings, Lord, because I, I believe that when we walk in faith, take the step in faith and continue in faithfulness and live out the fight that you have in front of us so that we can claim the promises that you have for us. Lord, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. The, the, the part that I want to grab hold of real quick is that for some of us, it's going to take the step of faith. And what is that first step of faith? It's turning to Jesus Christ. That's the first step of faith, is turning to Jesus Christ. And you're saying, God, it's because of your death, your burial, and your resurrection, I can walk in a relationship with you. And that's faithfulness, walking the journey out and ready for the next fight. So for those of you that are here this morning that maybe you need a, a, a renewal, maybe for some of you, you've never taken that step of faith, where you've given your life to Jesus. This is your moment. This is the moment with, and I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. I want you to take this moment, and you can pray this in your own way. You can pray the same words I use. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it quietly. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to ask any of that. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer in relationship to Jesus Christ, taking a step of faith. Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I repent of trying to do things my own way, trying to control things, trusting things of this world. Lord, I turn to you and I trust in you. I give you control of my life. I'm going to follow after you because of what you've done on that cross. In Jesus' name.